Good to be here this morning. I feel like a football player fixing to go out all this equipment and stuff on me, you know. But that's nice. That's nice. This technology is kind of, a lot of it has kind of passed me by. But uh, it is beneficial in a, in a lot of ways and helpful to me in a lot of ways. I use my computer and spent quite a bit of time on this sermon. Believe it or not, in my 55, 60 years of preaching, I have never put together a sermon just on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I brought him in, I brought that into a lot of different sermons I've preached, but I've never really preached a sermon just on the resurrection of Christ. So I put a lot of study and a lot of time in on this, and it is not organized in the same way, in the same manner that it will be organized later on when I gave it, I'll assure you, because I thought of additional things on my way to the church building this morning. If you got Bibles handy, you might turn to Luke chapter 24. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is, is given in um, Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, and in John chapter 20 and 21. What I have done, I've taken Luke, and I've added in those spots in Mark and Matthew that are not found in Luke, and blended them all in together, and we'll just read all of this. As we, if you're following along in Luke chapter 24, you'll be able to tell when we begin to get parts from Matthew and Mark in with this. John, I didn't have time to work his account into all of this, but each one of these accounts brings in some additional information about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the sweet spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? For it was very great. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became his dead men. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were affrighted and bowed their faces to the earth. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. Why seek ye the living from among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Come see the place where he lay. Remember how he spake with you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. Go quickly and tell his disciples and Peter that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. As he said unto you, There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid, and they departed quickly with fear and great joy, and returned from the sepulcher. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and Salome, other women told these things unto the eleven apostles and to all the rest. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. 
Now, when Jesus was risen very early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was to come. And if you remember John, there, John also ran with him to the tomb. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said to them, What manner of communications are these that you have one with another? You walk and are sad. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? They said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and in word, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel." And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of her own company made us astonished, which were at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then said he unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whether they went. And he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. It came to pass, as he said it meet with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave, gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. They said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And as they thus speak, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye any, here any meat? They gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, Thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth in his baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And ye are witnesses of these things. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem, till ye be endued with power from on high. So after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Now, I'm not sure that's 100% accurate in in what I have done in <clears throat> blending those three accounts together, but you get the basic idea. Like I said, John also contributes some thoughts. He talks about Mary and how that Mary saw the Lord and didn't realize that that's who he was. Thought he was a gardener. He says, Sir, if you have taken my Lord out of the tomb, taken him somewhere, Please tell me, and I'll go and take him. And then he said, Mary. And when he said that, then he remembered. Or she remembered. She recognized the voice of her master. And she referred, called him master. And he said, you go tell the other apostles. You know, the apostles had a hard time believing this, didn't they? They really did. You know, that's, that's kind of strange. His, prof, his resurrection was prophesied in the Old Testament. And now, it was not just plainly cut out until you see the life of Christ, see His resurrection, some of the events that happened later on, then it all falls in place, and it's pretty easy to understand. In Psalms chapter 16, verse 8 through 10, it says, "Will not uh, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, nor Thy Holy One to see corruption. Now this was a prophecy in the book of Psalms. Someone says, well, will not leave my soul in hell, nor... Allow your Holy One to see corruption. What's that all talking about? Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 2, and we'll just read what Peter had to say on the day of Pentecost. Beginning with verse 22. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him. Now he's talking about something that David said now, a prophecy that David gave concerning Christ. And that's the one here from Psalms that we read. For David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Now, this statement was made over in the book of Psalms by David. David was not talking about himself. He was talking about the Jesus Christ that would come later on, whose soul would not be left in hell. That is the place of the dead. And his body would not see corruption in the grave, but that it would come out. Now he says, uh, thou, thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with my countenance. Now listen to what Peter said. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he's both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. 
So we've still got David's grave right out here. Therefore, being a prophet, David was a prophet. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, in other words, his descendants, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. This Christ, this Messiah that was going to come later on, he, David said, uh, Peter said, that's what David was talking about. That his soul was not left in hell and his body did not see corruption. And he says this, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Now we might use the phrase raising up someone like, uh, we raised up Mike. I remember the morning he was born or the evening he was born. Took about 12 hours now the hospital, wore me out. Cheryl said, I didn't know the half of it. But we raised him up, you know. Sometimes God would raise someone up to be a king or something. But this prophecy was talking about a literal resurrection. He would raise Christ up to sit on his throne. His body did not see corruption. His soul did not remain in hell. The word hell here is Hades, the place of the dead. Not the place of torment, but the place of the dead, where the dead go. His soul didn't stay there. His body didn't stay in the grave. He raised Christ up to sit on His throne. Now, it's already been said that of the seed of David, there would never fail to be someone to sit upon His throne. Now then, where's the throne of David today? Is there a physical descendant of Jesus set upon his throne? Of David that sits upon his throne? No, but there's a spiritual descendant. Jesus Christ was a physical descendant, but he was, he is sitting upon a spiritual throne. He was raised up to sit upon David's throne. And these promises made to David would, and applied to physical Israel for a while were transferred over to spiritual Israel, which is the church, when Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave. Now then he says, Therefore, being a prophet, knowing that God has sworn with an oath of him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. So you see this prophecy in the Old Testament that said, when David said, you won't leave my soul in hell, nor shall, my, uh, my, nor shall I see corruption. This was a prophecy talking about Jesus Christ who would come later on. Now then, in, in uh, Acts chapter 13, Peter was preaching about the resurrection of Christ. And uh, there's a couple of phrases used over here. I want you to notice those phrases. We'll read verses 34 through 36 of Acts 13. And Peter is preaching, or Paul, yeah, Peter is preaching here. No, this is Paul preaching, pardon me. Let's begin about uh, verse 32. We declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children. In that he has raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm. That's Psalms chapter 2, the second psalm. Here he's going to quote from that. Uh... Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And it's concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. 
For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. That means he died. And was laid unto his father, put in the grave, and saw corruption. David did. His physical body corrupted. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Now, there are three phrases in here I want you to take uh, notice. First of all, he talks about, This day have I begotten thee. Now, this is a quotation... See, I've got it over here. This is a quotation from Psalms chapter 2 and verse 7. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. It's quoted again in Hebrews chapter 1, referring to Jesus Christ. Under which the angel said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. What day is he talking about? This day have I begotten thee. What day is he talking about? According to Acts chapter 13, he's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the day that he said, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Someone says, well, Jesus was alive before he ever came to the earth, wasn't he? The Son of God, that's right. And he was born into this world 33 years before this statement was made, before this phrase was used here in the book of Acts. Well, that's more than 33 years there. You get to Paul preaching, you know. What does he mean, this day have I begotten thee? He was begotten in a physical form when he was born. When he was begotten with God the Father, we don't know he was with him beforehand. What do you mean, this day have I begotten thee? Well, he's talking about the resurrection. This was the day that Jesus was born to eternal life again from his physical body that was in the grave. That's what this phrase is talking about. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Acts chapter 13 makes that very plain. That's what he's talking about. Second thing I want you to notice, he refers to the sure mercies of David. Now this phrase, sure mercies of David, is used a number of times Acts in Isaiah 53 and uh, 55 and verse 3. Here it refers to the mercies of David and an everlasting covenant. What in the world were the mercies of David? In Second uh, Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 42, again the sure mercies of David are referred to. What does he mean by the sure mercies of David? Well, let's turn over to Second Samuel chapter 7. And we'll read, read what he's talking about here. Verses 12 through about 16. And here we find that uh, God is talking to, uh, through Nathan the prophet unto David. And when thy days be fulfilled, that means at the end of his life, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, sleep means dead, you've died with your fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, that's his descendants, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That is Solomon. And I'll be his father, and he shall be my son. And then notice what it says. If he commits iniquity, I'll chastise him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Now, King Saul was the first king that Israel had. And he served as king about 40 years. And he very much displeased God towards the end of his life. He chased David and tried to kill him. The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and Saul didn't even know that had happened. So God took the kingdom away from him and his descendants. 
And now he says here, I will not do that to you, David. I will not take my mercy away from you. To your seed and your descendants, I will establish my kingdom forever and ever. The sure mercies of David refers to all of the promises made concerning the kingdom and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course, Jesus had to be resurrected for all this to take place. He was raised up to sit on David's throne. Jesus was not, did what, wasn't king over his kingdom while he was alive. He was raised up to sit on David's throne. That's when he, this was fulfilled. So the phrase now, this day hast thou begotten me, refers to the day that Jesus was resurrected. Uh, and then he says, uh, Oh, I'm in 2 Samuel. I thought I was still in Acts 13. Y'all ever get confused that way? <laughs> in Acts uh, chapter 13, then he refers to the sure mercies of David. That was the promises, all the spiritual promises that are fulfilled in the church were made uh, in, a, in a sense to David and was all dependent upon the resurrection of Christ. And then he says, You will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. Those three phrases are very, very important with reference to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of course, in Luke chapter 1, verse 33 through 30, uh, 31 through 33, Mary was told when she was uh, to be uh, with child of Jesus that Jesus would fulfill this promise of uh, given to David that he would be raised up to sit on David's throne. Now then, there's an interesting passage in Matthew chapter 16. Most of you probably are familiar with it. Beginning about verse 13, he says, He came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, they had different ideas about it. Jeremiah, Elias, one of, some of the prophets. He said, Whom do you say that I am? Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, blessed art thou, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I say unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, that is the fact that Jesus was a Christ. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he promised to build his church. said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Someone said, what? Well, the forces of even, the force of the devil will never prevail against the church. That's true, but that's not what this says. It doesn't say the forces of evil. It doesn't say the power of Satan. It doesn't say that. It says the gates of hell. I know what a gate is. I was raised with milk cows. We had gates. We had pastures. I know what a gate is. That's an entrance into or out of some place. Now here he talks about the gates of hell shall not prevail against something. Now the word hell here is Hades. He's talking about death. The gates of death will not prevail against it. What's he talking about? Well, Acts chapter 2, Jesus, his soul did not remain in hell. It was not possible that he should be holden of death. Jesus says, I will build my church, and even the, even the gates of death, he said, will not prevail against it. How could the gates of death prevail against Jesus building the church? Well, he wasn't going to build it. As long as he was alive. 
He had to be resurrected again to build it. And the gates of hell will not, did not prevail against Jesus Christ. He was not talking about, he was not talking about a person. He was talking about a thing. An event. He wasn't talking about the church. He's talking about the building of the church. Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell. The gates of death will not prevail against that. I will build the church. In order to do that, he had to raise from the grave. And we read in Acts chapter 2 already where his soul did not remain in hell. Neither did his body see corruption in the grave. But he was resurrected and brought forth from that grave. Well, there are a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament. And there are a few that have to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus also foretold of his resurrection while he was alive. Uh, at least three different times. <clears throat> and we'll notice Mark's, uh, Mark's accounts of these uh, foretellings that Jesus did. Mark chapter 8 and verse 31. And he began to teach them, that's Christ, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the priests and scribes and be killed and after three, three days rise again. Well, he told his apostles that. Was there with him? Mark chapter 9 verse 31 is another time he told them. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. See? He told them again. He was going to foretold them that, it was, that he would arise from the grave. In Mark chapter 10, again, verse 33 and 34. Jesus saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priest and unto the scribes. And they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Matthew has an account of this. Luke has an account too. You can look those up and read them if you want to. Jesus foretold of his resurrection. How was it that apostles didn't understand that? John 20 verse 9, they knew not the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Now Jewish leadership remembered what he taught about it. They didn't believe it. But after his death, they went into the pilot and said, We remember when this deceiver was alive. He said in three days he would rise from the grave. Give us a guard that we may guard the tomb, lest they steal his body away, the apostles, and claim that he had been resurrected. The Jews knew that he had taught that. Why did the apostles not pick up on that? One of the accounts said that when he mentioned the resurrection from the dead, said they puzzled among themselves about what such a phrase meant. They didn't pick up on it. Why? I don't think they believed that people rose from the dead. Now, the Pharisees that were alive, that was a Jewish sect, they believed in a resurrection. The Sadducees did not. But it would appear as though the apostles didn't believe in a resurrection. They they didn't believe that Jesus would be resurrected, at least during this lifetime. They didn't believe that. They might have thought at the end of time, like the Pharisees believed, you know, that be resurrected. But, but he told them, three times we've read here, maybe other times. How come they didn't pick up on that? I don't know. I really don't know. There's some, I guess it's kind of left open to speculation as to why, but 
Here's one thing that might have been why. First time he said that, they picked up on the point he'd be killed. That's what they picked up on. Son of man will be slain. And they missed the rise, rise again the third day. They missed that some way. They were alarmed at that. Peter said, Lord, forbid it that to happen. Lord said, I'll fight for you. I'll die for you. That will not happen, Lord. Your death. So perhaps they were so focused, so disturbed that Jesus said he was going to be crucified that they, that they just missed out on the, said he'd rise from the grave three days later on. I don't know why. I don't know why. You know, another time Jesus said, as, and this is in Matthew chapter 12, verse 4, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. You remember the story about Jonah? He ran to Nineveh. God told him to go prophesy against Nineveh, that is. And he ran away from there, headed towards Tarshish in a ship. And they had a big storm. And Jonah was thrown overside. And a whale swallowed him. Just ate him up and swallowed him up. And he was in the belly of that whale three days and three nights. Till that fish spit him up on the shore. How could you live through an ordeal like that? Can you imagine? Well, we won't get into Jonah. But that's a, that was a terrible ordeal. But Jesus said this was a sign. They said, give us a sign. He said, no sign will be given you but that of the prophet Jonas. So in this situation here, he basically said that I will rise out of the grave after three days' time. The prophecies were made in the Old Testament of his resurrection. Jesus himself foretold of that. Luke 24 and verse 11 says, When the ladies came back to tell the apostles, Said they, they believed not to them it was like idle tales. John chapter 20, you remember Thomas? After, after the apostles finally saw Jesus, saw he was alive, Thomas was not there. They told Thomas later, so we've seen the Lord, he's risen. Thomas didn't believe that. Oh, he said, unless I can put my finger in the nail prints in his hands, thrust my fist in the hole in his side, I won't believe. So we make a big deal about doubting Thomas. That's what we say. Thomas was a doubter. He had to see to believe. Later on, next time, you know, that Jesus appeared to them and said, Thomas, come hither. Notice, see the nail prints in my hand? Thrust your fist in the hole of my side. Be not faithless, but believing. I think sometimes we give Thomas kind of a bad rap. Thomas was no different than the other ten apostles. Judas had already committed suicide. To all of them, it seemed like idle tales. They didn't believe it. They didn't believe that Jesus had arisen from the grave. Now, I want to turn over to Mark, and, and we had this, uh, turn to Mark chapter 16. We're going to begin with about verse 9, and we covered this in our reading. When Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. She went and told them that had been with him, that's the apostles, as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and been seen of her, believed not. They just didn't believe it. And after that, he appeared in another form unto two of them. We read about the two that were going to Emmaus. How that Jesus went along, talked with them and all, and reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. And later on, they realized who he was. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the rest of you, that's the rest of the disciples, neither believed they them. They didn't believe the ladies. They didn't believe these two fellows that were on their way to Emmaus. Afterward, he, that's Jesus, appeared unto the eleven as they said it meet. 
and upbraided them with their unbelief and their hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Of course, they believe now, don't they? So he said to them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow who? Them. Who them? Them that believe not the ladies. Them that believe not the two. He says here, These signs shall follow them that believe. He wasn't talking about those that believe and are baptized. He's talking about the unbelief of the apostles and all. If you now believe, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. Take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These promises were not made to everyone that believes. And they're baptized, but made to them, the apostles, that didn't believe in the resurrection of Jesus until they could really see it. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, that's the apostles... He was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they, that's the apostles, went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following, just like he said. So this promise was not given to he that believes and is baptized. This promise was given to the apostles that were in unbelief. Even though Jesus foretold it, even though there were some prophecies in the Old Testament told prophesied about it, the apostles just wouldn't hardly believe. Now, they were to be witnesses of the resurrection of Christ. And Mark 6, we know so already, going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Acts 4, verse 33, they witnessed to the Jews here. Acts chapter 10, they witnessed to the Gentiles. And both of these accounts, they talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were witnesses. Why? Because they saw Him they saw him crucified. They saw him dead. And they saw him after he arose from the grave. This is the first thing that Paul preached to people. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. First Corinthians chapter 15. Which ye have received, and uh, wherein, you, where, wherein you stand, and by which you're saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you. How that first of all I delivered unto you, how that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and rose again according to the Scriptures. So, so this was the first thing that Paul preached to people. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The apostles were to be witnesses of these things. Uh, in Romans 15 and verse 12, Isaiah prophesied that he would be raised to reign over the Gentiles, including more than just Jews. Acts 26, 22, and 23, here Paul refers to this prophecy that he would rise and be a light to the Gentiles. Now then, the fact that the apostles had to see it with their own eyes, that they just wouldn't hardly believe His resurrection, the fact that they did this gives their testimony even more credibility. They didn't jump on the idea of Him being resurrected. They didn't understand it. They didn't believe it when they heard it. They had to see it with their eyes, and as a result, they became eyesight witnesses. Of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And says upon this rock I'll build my church. That he is the Christ. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And they went all over the world. Laying the foundation of the church. As Ephesians 2 verse 19 and 20. Talks about the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The apostles and prophets are not part of the foundation. They laid the foundation. It's the foundation of the prophets. Uh, you know of the apostles. 
How is it the foundation of the church? Well, if Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the church stands. If He was not the Christ, the Son of God, the church falls. It stands or falls upon whether Jesus uh, was the Christ, the Son of God. And if He died and buried in that grave and still in that grave and His body corrupted down there, then there was no nothing really built. And the church is nothing more than a good social institution. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is prophesied in the Old Testament. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was, was foretold by Jesus Christ. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that He would be the first fruits of them that slept. Now, what does that mean? Well, someone says in the Old Testament they would give the first fruits of the crops. What's the first fruits? Well, that's the first of the fruit that gets ripe and is ready. I remember when I was growing up at home, my dad would always keep a close watch on the sweet corn that he'd planted. And the first time, the first of the ears that came out that was good enough to take and cook and all, he would bring those home. But later on, the rest of them would become ripe. He did the same thing with potatoes. He'd scratch around under the ground and find those little new potatoes and the first ones brought home. We thought they were the best. I don't know if they were or not, but the little round new potatoes, oh, we thought first fruits. <clears throat> you know, when I was, uh, when I lived in Oak Mulgee, and let's see. I guess your dad, Stephen, wasn't born at that time, but Mike and Rebecca would always, every year would go with me. We'd go up along the railroad tracks, north edge of Oak Mulgee, and the blueberries and the blackberry vines were everywhere, and chiggers. <laughs> but we would go up, we would gather dewberries when they became ripe. Now, the blackberries ripened about two weeks after the dewberries. But when but they were all mingled together there. How come they were all mingled together? I don't know. But we'd get those dewberries. And we'd, we'd gather a few blackberries. Blackberries grow in a cluster. And the middle one that the others cluster on, it's always the first one ripe. That's the first fruit. And we'd gather that one. Of course, leave the others for a couple more weeks. We usually got enough chiggers. We had enough berries and enough chiggers. We didn't go back when the blackberries got ripe. Jesus was the first fruits of them that slept. Talking about His resurrection. Someone says, wasn't Lazarus raised from the grave in John chapter 11? Yeah, what about the root of Jairus' child? What about the deal over in the Old Testament? Elijah, he raised a, a lady's son from the dead. How was Jesus the first risen, the first fruits of those that slept? How was He? Well, there's some passages, I think, that kind of explain that. Romans 6, verse 9, Christ being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Acts 13, 34 and 37, he, ra he was raised from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He was the first fruits of those that slept, that rose from the grave, that did not have to taste death anymore. Everyone else will wait till the end of time when Jesus comes back. Then will come the general resurrection. Yes, there were people raised from the grave before Jesus was raised from the grave. But they were not raised to die no more. They were not raised never to see corruption at all. So they evident, Lazarus evidently later on died again, you know. And later on, uh, those other people died too, you see. There's some interesting thoughts about all of that. Well... What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean to you now? What does it do for us? 
Well, First Peter chapter 3, verse 21, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the washing away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism saves us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes baptism effective, doesn't it? First Peter 1 and verse 3 says, He hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled reserved in heaven for you. So His resurrection means that you and I have hope. Since Jesus rose from the grave, He's just the first fruits of those that slept. The rest of us will be raised when the Lord comes back again. And He's begotten us again. He's brought us again into a lively hope. A hope of what? A home in heaven. And all the wonderful rewards and treasures that the Lord has for us in mind in heaven. I'm hesitant to turn around and walk back this way because of all this stuff behind my head. You know, I don't want you to lose your attention and all that. But Jesus was raised from the grave and He gives you and I hope. Any of y'all ever remember Jimmy Rogers? I see a bunch of young heads. A lot of you probably have no idea. He was the big western and country star. And I was a very young kid during my dad's days. Jimmy Rogers died with TB. Believe it or not, he wrote a song about that. He called the TB Blues. And he said, they'll lay you down in that grave. They'll throw that mud down in your face. Now, how a guy dying with TB could write a song like that, I don't know, but he did. But you know, due to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's not the end of you and I. We'll be put in that grave. They probably won't throw mud in their face because they'll probably put you and I in a casket and, and then a box even around that. And they'll throw all that dirt and mud on top of that, but you and I will be buried under all that. But that's not the end of you and I, you see. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Romans 1 verse 4 says, He was declared to be the Son of God by the, His resurrection. He is the Son of God who was raised from the grave. And He's got the power to raise you and I from the grave. And that will happen at the last time. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 14, If we believe that Jesus died and arose, the dead will, will God bring with Him when He comes. So if we believe that Jesus rose from the grave, we also have hope of resurrection from the grave. The lesson is yours. Four different phrases I want you to notice and remember from this. He says, I will not leave my, your soul in hell, neither will your body see corruption. A prophecy about Jesus Christ. To the sure mercies of David. Under all the wonderful blessings of the promises of God, the given to God's people, God's love, His comfort, and eternal life. All these promises were tied in with the, with the promises made to David. The sure mercies of David. This day have I begotten thee. Number three, this day have I begotten thee. Referring to the resurrection of Christ. And last of all, he was the first begotten from the grave. There's a whole lot more could be said about the resurrection of Jesus. I think the song service was just wonderful this morning. There were a lot, number of songs about the resurrection of Christ. As a matter of fact, nearly all of them had, seemed like had to do with the resurrection of Christ. That was a very important event. Very important event. It was such an event 
that it not only put gladness and joy in the hearts of the disciples and all about his resurrection, but it scared them to death. They were frighted. I mean, that's just, that's not something that they ordinarily encountered in life. They didn't encounter it all. Someone being raised from the grave. They knew Jesus was Son of God. They saw Him do a lot of miracles. They saw Him heal a lot of people, even raise Lazarus. But that Jesus rose from the grave. Really, someone rose from the grave that had been dead. I mean, there was great joy and gladness, but there was, there was this fear, this frightening feeling about, about this event that was so different than anything else that they had ever experienced before. But it did happen. It did happen. Doubters have been looking for the body of Jesus, some kind of evidence that, of his grave and bones in that grave, and they've never found it. Why? His bones are not in that grave. That's why. His body was not left in the grave. It came out of that grave. And the apostles were witnesses of it. And they wrote this evidence down in what we call the New Testament. And there we have this witness. And Peter says, we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we declared unto you the resurrection of Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And he said, we have even a more sure word of prophecy. Peter says, I will endeavor you will have these things always in remembrance. All that's in First Peter chapter 1 if you want to read it. And they wrote these things down for you and I. And we've got that witness with us today. That he did rise from the grave. I'm looking forward to that time when, well, I'll be raised from the grave and see the Lord. Won't that be, a, won't that be something? You talk about a life-shaking event. Well, I guess I'll be dead. I don't know if you say a life-shaking event, but that'll be quite an event, won't it? Be raised out of the grave. See the Lord come back. We've got that hope. Of eternal life that results from that. Because Jesus wrote, raised from the grave. If you're here this morning. You're not a child of God or a Christian. You don't have this hope of eternal life. Oh you got hope of a resurrection. John chapter 5 says. All that are in graves shall hear the voice of the Son of God and come forth. They've done good to the resurrection of life. They've done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Everybody's going to be raised from the grave. <laughs> good and the bad. But there's eternal life promised for God's people. And if you haven't been baptized into Christ, you need to do that this morning. You could certainly do that, surely. Arrangements could be made. There's no water in that baptistry. There may still be one back there. I don't know. But arrangements could be made if you'd like to be baptized into Christ. Or if you desire the prayers of the church, I invite you to come too. Will you come when we stand and sing the song selected?